What's up, Refuge? How you doing? Good. Do me a favor. Look at your neighbor. Tell them they're prettier than the sunshine. Come on. Let them know. Say hi to each other. Make sure you greet each other. What a beautiful day. Oh, summer is almost here. I said almost here because Memorial, well, happy Memorial Day weekend as we, listen, Memorial Day is about so much more than uh, the unofficial start of summer. Uh, if you've had loved ones that uh, lost their lives in the line of duty for our country, thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. We thank you for your sacrifice. And uh, we celebrate, we, we celebrate that, we celebrate what God is doing, and uh, if you're new here, we celebrate you being here. You're never more generous than when you give your time, because you can always get more money, you can never get more time. And uh, we thank you so much for your generosity this morning. My name is Adam Harold, my beautiful wife Tanya, and I uh, have the privilege of lead, being the, the lead servants in this house. It's, a, it's really a joy that we get to do what we do, and today I have the honor, the privilege, the joy of introducing to you someone that you know, you should know. Um, if you've recently started coming to the church uh, within the last year, you, you haven't met him yet because he was here a year ago. We were talking last night at dinner about when was the last, he said, when was the last time I was here? And I knew exactly when it was because it was on our birthday in 2022, and uh, we're honored to have him back. So um, I, it's, it's my honor and my privilege to introduce you to my pastor, Derek Fry. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand at your feet and give him a warm refuge welcome? Yeah. <laughs> I don't need a shrimp right on my way in. Come on, give Jesus a bigger hand. Would you do that? Way bigger. Way bigger than me. Amen. You may be seated, Refuge Church. God bless you, and thank you for being here uh, this morning. Beautiful day. Uh, turn to your neighbor and say, he's better looking than I imagined, and uh, <laughs> thank you for that. I appreciate all the sincerity, and those laughs, I'm sure, are very kind laughs, not sad laughs. Um, you're probably thinking he's all dressed up. I have to dress up because you got to do something with who you are. You know, you just, I need all the extra help I can get, and uh and so I, I was raised, you know, bringing your Sunday best to church. And so hopefully I'll preach my best, not just look my best. Amen. Amen. Anyway, turn to your neighbor. I have this little phrase. I was because it's about preparation for your heart. Turn to your neighbor, poke them, say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Some of you aren't going to poke. If they didn't turn to you, poke them hard. Poke them really, really hard. He said, he said, <laughs> hey, it's an honor to be here. I, um... I'm like the, the, the spiritual father to, uh, to Tanya and, and Adam, and uh, I love these two tremendously. Um, they literally are like family to me. I check in them all the time. You know, I, 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 you know, I check in on them on special days and send them money on their birthdays, and, and they're just a part of, of our family uh, at Connect. I, we hail, my wife and I are here. By the way, my, my better half, my, my girlfriend of 31 years, my wife, is, I call her my girlfriend since we've, since we've been dating. It's always been that way. We are married, so don't worry about it. And there's nobody else, and there's nobody else. Would you guys give it up for my wife, Stacy Fry? She's in the front here. She's actually the better preacher. Uh, last, she spoke on Mother's Day. The church doubled. And so I'm just, I turned it over to her the next weekend. Actually, that's not true. As soon as we went home, she said, Honey, don't ask me to do that again for another year. Uh, so anyway, but I love um, your pastors. And... Uh, 
Uh, they, they're very sacrificial. I can remember when this church was meeting in the back of this, back of this building in the parking lot. Some of you guys were there for that. And the grind and the grit and, and, the, and the faith that it took. I'm going to talk a little bit about faith in a little while. But the faith that it took to believe for something like this to happen when there was nothing there. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Can I have an amen? amen. Say he's preaching already. Okay. So I'm going uh, to get right into it. I was uh, prinking. I have this phrase, praying and thinking. I call it prinking. And uh, you, got, you all do that. You just don't call it that. But you pray, you think, you think, you pray. Let's just call it prink. Can we do that? And so I was prinking about this message. And typically what's going through my mind is, you know, what do they need? What are they, as a shepherd, I just think about what is it that people need right now. And when I look at the world, when I look at the situation, the circumstances that we're in, uh, it, it, it really motivated this message. So this message is called My Truth. My Truth. Okay, are you there? Yeah. And I, I like it when you talk back. Um, and I'm a, I'm a fee, I'll preach better if you talk back at me. I promise you that. I know some of you will be contemplating. Some of you are still checking me out, whether you like me or not still. It'll take 15 minutes at least. Uh, <laughs> but I'm just going to ask you to kind of interact with me. But more than anything, I'm just going to ask you that you just get ready. You open up your heart and you listen to what God is saying to you. Amen. Let me pray for you. Praise the Lord. Father, I thank you so much for your word. It's timeless. It's incorruptible. It's transformational. I pray that you quicken the word today. Make it come alive. Your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder soul and spirit, the joints and marrows, discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. So do surgery on our hearts today. Uh, speak to us. Go into those deep parts in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. So we're going to go a little bit. I don't usually do this, but because it's kind of a family church, I'm going to do this. Uh, I'm going to go into the deep end of the pool today. Anybody want to go in the deep end of the pool a little bit? So, you know, Pastor uh, was telling me last night, he says one, he, he knew about somebody that was saying, uh, our church, we, we believe in shallow. <laughs> we don't believe in shallow here. We believe in sometimes you got to go deep a little bit. And so I was thinking about, prinking about, like I said earlier, uh, how when I look around, I've never seen more confusion and chaos uh, in our culture today than I, than, I, than I see now. In fact, I feel like it's the worst than I can, that I could ever remember. I think there's a huge shift in our culture and the moral fabric of our culture as a nation is changing and, and altering. And so I feel a certain weight in my church back home and in the church wherever I go uh, to kind of prepare you, better prepare you actually, uh, what the what the Word of God says and what it says uh, to us. And just as a parenthetical, if you're new to the refuge, I just want to encourage you to make church a priority right now, more than any other time. I commend you for being here on, on this weekend. I know like a lot of people go away and, and things like that. And, and so I just want to encourage you. The Bible says that as the day of the Lord, capital D, day of the Lord approaches, that means he's coming back someday. He says we're supposed to meet more. Turn to your neighbor and say, more. <laughs> I want to say, I want to see you more. I like seeing you, okay? I like seeing you. So I want to encourage you to do that. And in addition to that, I want to encourage you to, to make the word of God uh, outside of church, but also in church, of course, but outside of church to make the word of God a part of your daily disciplines. And, and I know this is like obvious, but it's not so obvious anymore. I'm sorry, but people are not uh, making the word of God a priority anymore uh, in their lives. You know, the big three that really help you with, I know your pastor just did a spiritual formations uh, series, uh, but the big three are prayer, uh, worship, and the word of God. So some people say, I want to grow spiritually. If I said, what are your goals in 2023? Hopefully one of those would be to grow more spiritually, yes or no? Yeah. 
Okay, but if you want to grow spiritually, then you have to have one of those, all of those, excuse me, the big three, a part of your formations, your, your daily routines, your discipline, prayer, worship, and the Word. In fact, that was all the way in the beginning. In, 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 before we even came on this planet, the big three, you can see them in heaven. In fact, it's modeled in three angels, Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer. All of those had and represent the big three. One of them was a messenger. One of them brought the word. One of them was about prayer and spiritual warfare. And one of them was about worship. I think you know which one that was. And so this is just a part of who we are. Now, for me, uh, of those three, some of them are easier than others. For me, uh, prayer is not easy. Prayer, I have to discipline myself to pray. Uh, and, and worship actually comes easy. Like when, when my brother was playing the guitar, part of me wanted to get up on the stage and join him on the guitar because I, I was a worship leader for 14 years. And, and so I love that. But, but prayer, not so much. Prayer is harder for me. I have to discipline myself. I have to do certain things to put me in that place. But my favorite, everybody say his favorite, is the word. I love to get in the word. And so I have a chair every single morning. I get in my power chair. I think at some point it's going to have like grooves in it. Probably, you know, it, it already does. My wife says it already does. Probably has a certain smell to it. I light a candle. I light a candle when I'm getting ready. Masculine scent. Okay, don't worry about it. Uh, some of the guys are like, whoa. Uh, but and I, just start, I just start reading my Bible. I love study days, you know, when I can get into the word. And I'm kind of confused, and I, I, I just don't, I'm concerned that it's not something that people uh, do routinely. And so I, I have two concerns that I'll just I'll introduce. One is I think there's a systematic attack yeah. on God's word, yes. and people are believing lies, lies and myths and, and opinions of man are being exalted. And, and you see this manifest in different things, and I'm not going to get political today, but I just, I'll just be pointed. But you see this, uh, you know, our... our are the, the definitions of relationships are being challenged and, and, and gender issues and sexuality issues are the highlights right now. Um, and I just think if we had foundations in the world, the, the Bible says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It goes on to say in Psalms, as if, 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 we don't have our, if, if we don't have foundations, you know, if they're not foundations, uh, what are the righteous to do? And, and so, you know, but God set it up. He eliminated the confusion if we had the foundations on the Word of God. He said there was just two genders in the Bible, male and female, right. just two. And I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to pick a fight. I'm really not. I'm just saying he eliminated the confusion. Amen. And we've introduced this confusion because we've lost our foundations. Are you with me? And so, I, in fact, when people think otherwise, I'm concerned for them. I'm not, like, angry. I just want to pass you for a second because sometimes we get, we're all about making points. We're all about, you know, and drawing lines in the sand. I think we can be in the world and influence the world to come over to God's side. Are you with me, everybody? To God's ways. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And so, but you do have to, I do think, while I want to be winsome, though the, he who wins souls is wise, while I want to be winsome, I also think there is a greater agenda at work where, where, where there is this systematic uh, undermining of the word of God, trying to silence uh, the truth of God's word. And so like at our church, uh, Pastor, we're working, we, we've had to like update our bylaws and, and sometimes your statement of faith is just not enough to prepare you. You know, I'm collecting and getting people who are real smarter than I am, putting together position papers and things on what we believe on certain subjects. And it's just, it's because we do case studies with our staff. This is what's happening, you know, in my workplace. This is what's happening in the schools. This is what's happening, you know, kind of out there. 
how do I handle these things? And we have to talk about that more so that we can uh, be an influence on the world. And so part of me would love to go into all that, but what I really wanted to talk about today is I'm concerned more, though, with you guys. I'm concerned with the, 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 the believer. I'm concerned with the average believer who's not really prepared who doesn't know the word or knows how to defend what they believe. And I think some cases, in defense of you, it's an indictment of me. It's an indictment, uh, maybe not so much pastor because he's perfect, but it's an indictment of me, maybe not better preparing sometimes the people of God. And so when you have limited time, which, by the way, I do think we have limited time because I think Jesus is coming back. Can I have an amen out there? And I think he's coming back soon. I think he's coming back soon. And so when you know that, that doesn't mean you sit back, do nothing, just kind of twiddle your thumbs and wait. If I know I only have, I'm, I just turned 50-something years old, 55 years old this last week, and when I know I only have so much time left in this life, I, in, as, if, as it references my resources, I double down on my retirement. But why are we not doing that in terms of our spiritual outlook on the world? We should be doubling down, investing our time, our talent, and our treasure in the kingdom of God. Because Jesus is coming back, and one day we're going to have to give an account of what he gave us here. Amen. Can I have an amen or an oh me out there? Okay. So, I'm just concerned, and I'm concerned that people are not hiding the word of God in their heart, yet it's a foundation. It's the bread of life. And just, I'm going to move on in a second, but I'm just telling you... You, wouldn't go, you won't go uh, a few hours without eating food. Right. And I'm just telling you, because you, you know at some point you, you'll say things like, I think I'm going to die. You know what I mean? And, and, you, and it's only been like three or four hours. You know, like I'm starving to death. You know, other thing, I say that all the time. I'm hangry. My wife doesn't like it when I get hangry. And, 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 but, we, but spiritually, if you don't eat the bread of life, I'm just telling you, you're going to die. It's a spiritual death. There's a separation, and you're going to be susceptible to many things. So I have a message that confronts some of the, let's just call them the doctrines of this world, the, my truths versus the biblical doctrines and beliefs. 2 Timothy chapter 4, that was all my introduction. Here we go. And uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 says, In the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, in view and appearing of his appearing in his kingdom. I give you this charge, pastor, preacher, Christian, preach the word. Be prepared in season, out of season. Don't just, in other words, don't just give them the message they want to hear, the trendy, the sexy, the cool. Once in a while, you have to correct, you have to rebuke, you have to encourage. That word encourage means exhort. With great patience and careful instruction. Then it says this, look at this and think about where we are. For the time will come, are you everybody there? For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. That time is here. That's right now, everybody. Instead, to suit their own desires... It's always, it's always that way. It's always about, I don't want to, uh, I, I want to behave the way I want to behave. I want to do what I want to do. I want to live this way and not that way. To suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers. You can put that in quotes if you want it, because they're really not. To say what their itching ears want to hear. We live in that day right now. And they'll turn away their ears from the truth, and they'll turn aside to myths. Or you could say, my truths. This is us. This message could have been called, This Is Us. A, a story for you. A, a little while ago, I was uh, asked, well, I asked to meet with a, a, a single female in our church who um, also wanted to meet with me, apparently. And so I said, great, well, why don't we come in, we're talking. I had come to know that she was uh, heading down a certain path, um, particularly sexually. 
And I was very concerned, and, and, and I was, by her own words, I was a person that she respected, a person whose words had a lot of weight. Uh, she considered me a spiritual father, um, you know, and so I thought when we would meet that I would, like I had a shot at being able to help steer her uh, back on the right path. And, and she said things like, your words are very important to me, even sometimes more important to me than my own parents. And so I just said, okay, if that's true, honey, listen, what you're about to do is not okay. It's not okay. It, it, and, you're, and I care about you. And that's why I'm telling you. I'm not telling you this because I want to be right. I'm just telling you this because it's, it's contrary to what the word of God says and what you once believed, once, you, once, uh, you once professed. And then I used a word that she didn't like. I said, honey, it's immoral. And with that, there was a, she, she gave me like, I call it the spiritual Heisman. She just went, hmm. And she, you could feel a dynamic in the room change. She began to push me away. And, 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 and I, I thought, oh, my gosh, here it is. And so she says to me in that moment, she says, well, PD, that's my nickname. She says, PD, well, you got your truth, but I have my truth. And my truth is working for me. My truth is working for me. And I said, well, pardon me, you know, but it, it just doesn't really work like that. Truth isn't like that. Truth doesn't adjust to us, honey. We adjust to truth. One of us has to be wrong. I might, if I'm wrong, just explain it to me. Like, and, and that's what happens. We make truth in what this world has done. And I'm just trying to say, and hope, hopefully you see, that truth is not subjective. Truth is absolute. It's like me saying to somebody who doesn't believe in gravity. I believe in gravity. I don't believe in gravity. So then I'll say, well, let's just test it out. I'm going to come up to the cliff. You come up with me. And then let's jump off. I'm going to wear a parachute. I don't know if you could, you're, you're, you're strong on your convictions. So let's just both go together and let's see what happens. Truth is the same way, yes or no. And so this, this and again, it's not, I just want to say for the people that supplies to, this is not about being right. We're right. We're right. You know, you know what you are? You're dead right. So my daddy used to call it dead right. You're all by yourself. Nobody wants to be with you, okay, because you're right, but you're dead right, and that's about half the church of Jesus Christ right now, they're so excited about being right, we're not supposed to be right, we're supposed to be effective, and help people, I'm not, I don't even care about being right, I just want to help people, but there is right and wrong still, amen, thank you for the five people that said amen, okay, so the world has adopted this notion, that I have my truth and it works for me. And behind all these lies are three things. Let me give you these three things real quick. One of them is human reason. Human reason. Um, they're all up in their mind. I've just, I've decided, I have decided certain things. That's what Satan did and that's why he fell from heaven. He said, I will ascend. I, five I wills in the book of Isaiah. I, I was at the front of all of those. Human reason has I at the top. I read an article recently about a seminary president, a seminary president, who decided, who determined, who, who received certain enlightenment on his own that the virgin birth, uh, the resurrection, the miracles, they're not, they were not real. They're all just a fraud. This is a, this is a seminary president, you know, so now he sees, now he's enlightened above and beyond the apostles and the prophets, and that's the problem, but the problem's not new. Proverbs 16, 25 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, everybody say in the end, yeah. it leads to death, it leads to separation. And so 
I never get, I shouldn't say never, but rarely do I get, I hope this helps somebody, I rarely get nervous about presenting the truth because this verse said something that popped for me when I was studying this a couple weeks ago. It says, there's a way that seems right to me, but in the end, see, in the end, I know, I may not be influencing right, you right now, but if you're not following God's path, I know for a fact it's not going to work in the end. You're going to be in, like the Luke 15 says, you're going to be in a pig pen one day, and you're going to come to your senses, and you're going to realize, man, the way that seemed right to me wasn't right. I thought I, 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 thought I was all that in a bag of chips, and now I got no chips, and I'm not all that, and I'd like to go back and see my father. Yeah. I've come to my senses now. You'll end up, if you don't follow God's ways, in the end, in a pig pen. And so here's how we should be. We should basically be, don't get nervous when, when you're debating or, or you're, you're talking about truth. Just say, here's the thing. That's okay. We can agree to disagree, but I'll leave the light on. I'll leave the key under the mat because you're going to be back, honey. And that's what I told this sweet little girl. I told her, I said, you're going to be back. You're going to realize this in the future. And I want you to know, I'll be there at the front porch when you come back. That's how the church of Jesus Christ should be. We should be communicating the truth. We shouldn't be closing the door, shutting the light off, throwing the key away. No, let's be there. My dad used to say, let's do everything we can. He used golf as an analogy. He wasn't a golfer, but I am, praise the Lord. I'm a Christian. He used to say, on the front nine of golf, do everything you can to prevent them from making a mistake. But on the back nine, you're there for them if they do. Amen. Are you with me? That's how we need to be as a church. Because these commands that God puts there uh, are not for his convenience. They're for our protection. They're for our benefit. Here's the second thing. So the first one, I hope you got that. The second one is there's a heightened focus on self. Self. Me, 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 me. Me, me, me. It's, we live in a highly, what, selfie generation. Snap, snap, crackle, pop. Everybody's just taking pictures. Look at the Instagrams just for a second. Look at yourself. You know what I mean? When you take a picture, who do you look for first? Me, me, me. How me? How am I looking? How do I look? It's all about me. But this is taken off into a completely crazy generation. But it started in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel. There were a group of people who thought they were better than God. And, and by the way, in Genesis 11 is where it shows up. In Revelation chapter 17, this spirit, the spirit of Babylon, uh, was judged. But they basically thought God wasn't good enough for them to worship. Genesis 11:4 says, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. And so we have a church right now, and we have people outside the church too, who are more interested in followers than worshipers. That's, that, that is a spirit that is coming. Babel was a location, but it became a spirit. This, this, this Babylonian spirit, this confusing uh, selfie spirit, and it gets judged later. But Isaiah chapter 47 says it like this, speaking of this, the fall of Babylon. Now then, listen, you look, are you guys following me on these? Good job on all these things. I, I talk fast, I know. I'm in fourth gear this morning. Now then, listen, you lover of pleasure, lounging in your security and saying to yourself, this is what the Babylonian spirit says, this selfie spirit. I am, and there is none besides me. Why is it such a problem? Because I'm the center. I, I, it's, it's just that selfie thing. It's, it's bad. And in fact, in Exodus chapter 3, uh, God is contrary to the name of God who says, I am that I am, and there's none beside me. Can you see how these two things are in direct conflict with each other? Anytime you see that there is an elevation of man and a... A diminishing of God, it's always got Satan behind that. Satan's always behind that, yes or no? 
okay? And, and this creeps in, this, this me, me, me creeps into the church too. Can I tell you how it creeps in? Yes. Praise God. Two people said, I'm going to tell you anyway, but, <laughs> but this is how it creeps in. Churches become very experiential and feelings oriented. And, and it shows up sometimes in the music. Sometimes, just, I'm just giving you one example here. Like, we've been very deliberate. This is good for you, Pastor. I, I think you guys do this right. Uh, but we've been very deliberate about making sure the songs are not all about me. You know, he loves me. Oh, I love the song. And yes, he does. But how many know that worship isn't about how much he loves me? It's about how much I love God. Oh, magnify the Lord and see. I need to make you. It's just about your worship, not my worship. And if we're going to come to church and we're going to be here for 75 minutes or whatever it is, let's get 20 minutes just to the worship of Jesus Christ. Let's not worship ourselves. Let's worship the most high God. Can I have an amen? I'm getting fired up. Okay. It's good preaching, Pastor. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Here's the third thing. Uh, problem that shows up is I trust my feelings. Feelings. It feels so right, it must be right. So I do what I feel. The root of this is hedonism. And it never works when it's all about your feelings. If feelings are unreliable, feel, you know that to be true. If you, you, you know, your kids get up and they're all cranky. You're like, did you get out of the wrong side of the bed? You know what I mean? Go back in, get out the other side, change your attitude. You know, or we're going to have a problem. And, and, but this is what this girl said to me. She said, just feels right to me, PD. Just feels right to me. And feelings are lying. Yeah. Feelings lie. You'll be fooled by your feelings. And the reason for this and these feelings taking over, uh, taking, let's say, the seat of your emotions, your will, and, and, and your, your feelings, the reason it takes that seat is because you have no king in your life. Judges says it like this. I'm not saying you. I'm just editorially. Don't take offense if I'm direct. It says, at the same time, there was no king at that time. There was no king in Israel. This is what happened in the book of Judges, and there was chaos. And if you studied this whole season of history for the people of God, uh, they went into famine right after this. It was bad because there was no king. People did what they felt like doing. We have a king. Can I have an amen, Refuge Church? And his name is Jesus. Everybody say, Jesus is my king. I'm a slave by choice. I was bought with a price, and it's not about my truth or these myths. It's about what he says. So let me take you back to school and show you some doctrine, and I'm going to do this in an incredibly fast period of time. I'm going to try, if you're really good and attentive, I'm going to give you six doctrines, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you what the doctrine is that God wants us to know that keeps us from the lies and the deceptions, and I'm going to give you a focus for that doctrine. This whole thing could be a six-week series. Next summer, we're going to do this as a series at Connect Church, but I just want to give you like the, 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 the zoom out, here's the summary, here's the big idea of these doctrines, and I believe it'll inspire you. Amen? Amen. Hebrews chapter 5, let's back up and just get the background biblically. It says, um, in fact, though by this time, look at what it says about us. I think this is an unfortunate uh, circumstance because it's, the writer is basically saying, you guys should be teaching this stuff by now, but you're not. And I actually think if this was written today, it would not be introduced as elementary truths. It would be introduced more as elite truths. Because that's how far away we are from knowing God's word. These things that I'm getting ready to give you are considered elementary truths for us as believers. So I'm I'm, I'm, I see it as, Derek Fry, you've got work to do. Your people don't know these the way they need to. So here's what it says. It says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, so familiar with the truth in your Bibles, unfortunately, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word. 
Pastor Adam's like, wow, this is a strong message. But, you know, I'm going away today, so you'll have to fix it next week. <laughs> so it says, you need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, is still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food, everybody say solid food. It's for the mature who by, I like this part, constant use. The only way people grow is by constant use. You got to get in your Bibles every day, everybody. You got to have those daily devotions. Success is not in a day. It's in the daily and it's in your daily bread. Constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, study to show yourselves approved. A workman who does not need to be shamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This is, your, this is your responsibility. You need to know the word of truth. Amen. How'd you know that, Pastor Derek? I memorized it. When did you do that? When I was 18 years old on little index cards, which I still have in my little box. I'm not trying to be proud. I'm just trying to say, like, the word changed my life. I'm not a good leader because I'm smart. I'm not that smart. The word made me wise, though. I'd rather be wise than smart. Can I have an Amen. I'd rather have heavenly wisdom than earthly wisdom any day of the week. This will help me. Hebrews chapter 6. Stop, stop those little side, sidebars. Pastor Derek could never get through this. <laughs> Hebrews 6 says, therefore, let's leave the elementary teachings. We can't. We can't, writer. We don't even know them about Christ. And let's go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of these what? Six things. Here they come. Repentance from acts that lead to death, faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of dead, and eternal judgment. So I want you to move from cereal to steak this morning. The first three doctrines about your relationship with God and the last three doctrines about are about your relationship with others. Here's the first doctrine. Everybody say, ready, ready, ready. <laughs> Number one is repentance. Repentance. This is a missing word in culture today. Repentance is fundamentally saying, I'm wrong, you're right. I'm wrong, you're right. Repentance, the Greek word is metanoia, it means to change, change direction. But most people, this, this, is, this is most people's repentance. I'm sorry. And they go right back to where they were before. Most people's repentance is 360, but it's supposed to be, I'm sorry, 180s. Are you with me, everybody? God wants 180 Christians, not 360 Christians. Repentance is a critical part of this situation. So when I read my Bible, which I pretty much do every day of my life, I, I end up getting to a certain point in the Bible, and I, and I see something. By the way, the Bible's not a window. It's a mirror. It's a reflecting back to you things that you need to see. And then I read it, and I realize, oh, my gosh, there's something in there that doesn't really look like Derek. And when that happens, I have a problem, okay? And all of a sudden, I'm confronted with the fact that I was driving to church, and, and I was yelling at some lady who was driving really slow, and I wasn't modeling what I'm reading around right here. The fruit of the Spirit is patience and self-control, and, and, and I'm not doing that. And so I can't say, lady, get out of the way. Don't you know how important I am and what I have to do? I don't say that, but I'm driving like that. Don't look at me like I'm the only one who does this. <laughs> and you're going through that, and, and it's like, you, that means you have to make a change. Are you with me? <laughs> and so we have a dilemma in those, in those situations. You know, you can't just say, well, that's who I am. I'm an A-type personality. I identify as A-type. Not so funny. Everybody's nervous about that one. <laughs> What did just, what happened? <laughs> I identify as angry. No, you can't just say, that's just who I am. No, the Bible says you can't be like that. Right. 
So what do you do? You repent. You say, I'm, I'm wrong. He's right. He knows better than me. He knows what's best for me. He's large and in charge. He did this in my best interests. Mark Driscoll says there are no good people. There are just bad people who get justice or bad people who get grace. Justice is you pay for your sin and grace is you let Jesus pay for your sin. I'm recommending that. Okay. And so let the Bible define what sin is. It's simple. And, and then repent, change direction. And people don't like that. People don't want to do that anymore. So here's the doctrine summarized. When you see that, what do you do? You move towards God. Repentance in a summary is move towards God, not away from God. Amen. Everybody say number two. Faith in God. Everybody say faith. Faith faith is this. Faith is confidence in what we hope for, something I don't have yet, and assurance about what we don't see. There's a certainty that I I will, but I don't know when, I don't know how. And this is what the ancients were commended for. I would just say, and I've been a faith teacher for many, many years, faith is totally misunderstood. This this particular chapter in Hebrews chapter 11 is, is the hall of faith, the rock stars of the faith. It's an amazing book. But most people don't realize that most of what these people went through were horror stories, bad scenarios. Faith in these these examples, I'm not going to read all of this because of time, but Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about some amazing things that happened, but then it talks about some horrible things that happened. People were, uh, I'll highlight a couple, tortured, jeered, flogged, chains, imprisonment, put to death, stoning, sawed in two, killed by the sword, wearing sheepskins, not nice suits, goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated, and the world was not worthy of them. That's faith. People don't think that's faith. Faith isn't just your shout on Sunday. It's about your bad days on Mondays. That's when you need faith. Faith isn't just for the good days. It's for the bad days. Are you with me, everybody? And it says they wandered in deserts, living in caves and in holes and in the ground. And these men, these people were commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they promised. What? And here's what they know that sometimes we forget or don't know. They knew something by faith. They knew, and this is what the Bible says, they knew that whether it's going to be on earth or in heaven, that God had planned something better for us. That's faith. Faith is knowing that something better is there for us. Whether it's now or later, I know, I have certainty, I have assurance that something better is ahead. Are you with me? And you know who does this really, really well in our world today? Old people. All the old people say, amen. It's true. That's why the Bible says the ancients were commended for this. (laughs) That's funnier than you realize. But anyway... It's because, though, they lived long enough to know that God is faithful in whatever he promised. And I've lived long enough and I've looked back long, many, enough times to see that God always comes through in the end. And this is good for young people to hear because sometimes God is not your microwave God. He doesn't just snap, crackle, pop. Anytime you see, I want a house, I want a car, I want this job. Listen, talk to some of the old people and realize that God is faithful and sometimes he's going to teach you some things through these trials. And you've got to trust him. That's the summary of this doctrine. We trust God. We trust God. We move towards God repentance. We trust God faith. Number three. Everybody say number three. He might make it. Instructions about baptisms. Okay, baptisms. Now, let me paraphrase this text for you. This is Acts chapter 19, verse 3 and following, okay? You guys should go back and listen to this message again. Look this up in your Bible. But there is more than one baptism in the Bible. 
There's the baptism into the body of Christ, salvation. There's the baptism by immersion, that's water baptism. And then there's what's called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's a second work of grace, a second experience. All of these are significant. All of these are in Acts chapter 19. You can see them clearly there uh, in the Bible. All three of those manifest there. And by the way, I just want to highlight water baptism for a second. Sometimes I'm amazed how many, I hope not in this room, probably not because this is a perfect church, but I'm amazed how many people have experienced salvation, they're baptized into the body of Christ, but they haven't been water baptized. And we call, and uh, you know, Pastor Adam may say this, we call baptism, water baptism, the wedding band of Christianity. So if I don't have this ring on, am I still married to Stacy, yes or no? Yes. But if I don't have this ring on, is Stacy going to say something to me about not wearing that wedding ring? Yes or no? Yes. And if I go home and say, well, I don't want to put it on, she says, well, I don't want you to sleep in this house. Okay? I think God is saying the same thing to some of you who have been saved but have not been water baptized. I think he's fundamentally saying, why don't you want people to know about us? Sila. I'll let that sit in for a second. Why don't we want to let people know about us? When are you going to go public about what you personally believe? Salvation's a personal decision, but it was never meant to be private. And we go public when we get water baptized. Amen? And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a separate work of grace. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'll summarize this for you. Salvation is about you and God this way. But then Jesus said, I'm going to go so he will come, and then he will help you here. He's, his primary job description is helper. So the Holy Spirit's here to help you live successfully in this life. And that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is about. Are you there? Yeah. All right, number four. Everybody say number four. number four. The laying on of hands. Oh, I love this point. I love this doctrine. There are three basic reasons for the laying on of hands. I'll give you those really quickly. The first one is to speak spiritual blessings. You, you lay hands on them, and you bless you bless. See, it's amazing to me that people in the church of Jesus Christ think it's just reserved for uh, pastors and priests, and they're the only ones who bless. No, Christians call, we're called, all Christians are called to bless. All Christians are called for this elementary doctrine to speak blessings over people. Jesus did this in the Word of God in Mark chapter 10, verse 16. He put his hands on the children, and he what? He blessed them, okay? Another thing that you do with the laying on of hands is to encourage people to make a difference. Acts chapter 13, verse 3. The disciples fasted and prayed. And then they got new people that are getting ready to go into ministry. And they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. The laying on of hands is also, number three, to minister to those in need. Mark chapter 16, verse 18. It says, they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. What does this mean to us? It means you, me, every one of us who are Christ followers are made for ministry. Use your hands the right way. If the only thing your hand ever did was slap somebody in the face or spank somebody on the bottom, I'm telling you, you are minimizing the purposes of the laying on of hands. Lay hands and speak blessings over When's the last time you just put your hands on a sweet little child and just said, you are so blessed, you are wonderful. I just affirm them. Every single night, my son, uh, he has his sons speak affirmations out loud, but he spoke them over them and they can recite them now. And then they come over their, their, their grandparents' house and we say, say your affirmations. And then we just bless them. We lay hands on them and we bless them. When's the last time you laid hands on somebody to be healed? Who is sick? Do we go to God first or do we go to Google first? Do we go to the doctor at, at, the, at, you know, at the hospital or do we go to the great physician first? Do we lay hands on people? You were made for ministry. Are you with me, everybody? So this doctrine is we bless others. We bless others. Here's my fifth one. Everybody say number five. 
He's going to make it. Here's this one. These two are, get, get kind of strong, but the resurrection of the dead. The resurrection. So this is an elementary. Do- are you guys enjoying this? Yeah. Praise God for the five people in the front row enjoying this. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going for the back. The win is at the back. Okay. Here's what this, <laughs> this doctrine is all about. We're all going somewhere after earth. Okay. Everybody is. Where is between you and God? Where is between that person and God? Are you with me? But there's going to be a resurrection at the return of Christ. First Thessalonians chapter 4 talks about this. Gosh, I want to unpack this scripture, but let me just say that because of Jesus living inside of us, we don't grieve as people without hope. The Bible tells us that. I was just doing a funeral last weekend, and I used this text, this doctrine, I used this doctrine to help everybody be encouraged. Because when you know that you have Jesus inside of you, then you're not saying to people who are, who've left this life goodbye. You're saying, see you later. Amen? Amen. Amen. Be encouraged with that. And the Bible says you're going to be with them forever. And it says in the last part of that verse, encourage one another with these words. That's why doctrine that we know, not just intellectually, but experientially, revelationally, doctrine that we know is transformational. It helps you. It helps you through your worst days. It helps you through your bad situations. Because in this world, you're going to have trouble. Take heart. Jesus overcame the world, John 16, We need this word hidden in our hearts so that we, we can be encouraged, right? And so you won't spend your whole life on earth, everybody. That's what this one is about. And it's just like the old people used to sing when I was growing up in church. You know, uh, uh, some glad morning, when this life is over, I'll fly away. Come on, somebody. Some of you don't know that song, but that's okay. But that song used to be... Fly away, oh glory. Anyway, we can have a little, we can have a saying up here. I'll fly away, oh glory. All right, I won't do it. Anyway, this perspective will keep you from focusing too much on earth stuff. People, people who have this doctrine at work in their life, they see the fights that sometimes are necessary to fight in the world, okay? But it's in perspective. It's contrasted against this doctrine. We're going to leave this life. We're going to, we're coming to, here, here's kind of the summary. We live with an eternal perspective. Heaven's better than earth. That's the perspective. So you don't get so like, I'm so mad. This country's going to hell in a handbag. This nation's going down. Da, 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 da. Yes, yes, we're, we're, there's trouble, but you're too worked up. And it's because you don't have this doctrine grafted to your soul. Heaven's better. I was with my mentor, uh, Pastor Adam knows him. Uh, we call him G-Mac, Gordon McDonald, and he's 84 years old. And, and I was having lunch with him, two-hour ride up, two and a half hours to just sit at the feet of this sage, this, this wise servant of the Lord. And, um, and I, I was basically, because I, I don't, I'm transparent, but just not with you, okay, just so you guys know, okay? I say that to my church, like, I'm very open, but not with you guys. I, I can't, like, I, that would be, that wouldn't be good. But I have people that you can just unpack. So I'm unpacking stuff. And he basically looks at me and he's just like, whew, I think, I think I'm just about ready for heaven after hearing that, Derek. <laughs> and I drove home as I'm pondering the things that my mentor had said. And, and I thought, you can't say that if heaven isn't more reality than New Hampshire where he lives. I hope that sinks, okay? This, this is bad, but heaven's better. All right, here's my, my last point. He's going to make it. 10.06, four minutes to spare. Are you so proud of me, Adam? Here we go. Eternal judgment, eternal judgment. Dum, dum, dum. He's going to end with this. 
All right, let me try to explain this to you because it ends good, so don't get scared. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't get scared. The five people that didn't turn, they're scared to death. Okay, here's what this means. You don't just go there to the sweet by and by. You're going to go to court while you're there. Where's the good news? Hold on, it's coming, okay? There's a day in court. There could be two days in court, <laughs> okay? Romans chapter 14 says it like this in so many words. We, we will all stand before the judgment seat. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. Now or later, it's going to happen. And then it says each of us will give an account of himself to God. So I'm just this is the strongest I'm going to be with somebody that may need to hear this, somebody that may listen to this later. Everybody's going to have an eyeball to eyeball with their creator. We're all God's creation. We all must choose to be his child. And so if there's two courtrooms, one of them is known as the great white throne judgment. That is about you and Jesus. The second court, if you get through the first courtroom and you, you pass the great separation. In other words, if you can't answer that your confidence and your faith and your eternity is based on your relationship with Jesus Christ. There will be this great separation that the great white throne judgment talks about in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. If you need a reference for that, there's a great white throne and, and him who is seated on it. He's, he's, he's not soft that day. He's a king. And the earth and heaven fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead great and small standing before the throne. And listen to this. And the books were opened. Books, plural. But another book, everybody say another book. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. So great white throne judgment is all about the books. What's the books? What's the books? What's the books? The books is everything you've ever done in your life. But if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, <laughs> then your name is in the book, the book of life. And we don't have to worry about all that stuff that's in your books. How many know you don't want to be judged by your books? You want to be judged by the book. Can I have a better amen in this house right now? There's another book, and I want to make sure my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Which one do you want? I want that one. And, and, and this is so huge because what happens on that particular day, 1 Corinthians 3 says it like this, on that judgment day, so you go out of, so what's going to happen is you got out of that first court. You're like, whew. And then all of a sudden over the PA system, it said, Psh, I need to see Derek Fry in the other courtroom. Psh. Ah, you know, you get a little scared. But no, but it's a good one now. This is a good one. This one is about awards. It's an award ceremony, everybody. The second one is you're being judged, you're being judged, rewarded for what you've done in this life. And some of you are going to honestly going to get there and some have done way more than others. And I think it's going to be an amazing day. It's an award ceremony. So there's some that did really great. And you're going to be, yeah, yeah. Pat, Adam did good, but Tanya, whoo, she killed it. She killed it. Yeah. He got all the accolades, accolades, but it was Tanya, everybody. It was Tanya. Right? And you're all going to celebrate that day for them. Some are going to be at different levels, different levels. It's an award ceremony because you're being judged by the book, not by the books. But I also want to motivate you here at Refuge Church. That, that live for rewards. He's a rewarder. When Jesus comes back, he says this. This is how much of a rewarder he is. He could have said any number of things, but he says, my reward is with me. And I can't wait to give it to you. 
But it's all dependent upon not just you and Jesus being okay. I've got the fire insurance. I've got the get out of the jail free card. Praise the Lord. No, he's going to say to you, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? Would you do me a favor? Would you all stand on your feet? I want to pray for you. This last one is about be ready to face God one day. Are you ready to face God? Are you ready to face Jesus? Are you going to face Jesus and be okay with him? And then after that, are you going to face him and be a person who receives a reward from him? With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to just speak a word of encouragement over your church. Thank you, Lord, for the Refuge Church. Lord, as an overseer and pastor, shepherd that helps the shepherd here, to what extent I can influence this church, I pray for continued favor on this church. But Father, I pray that the foundations, if the foundations are destroyed, everything goes bad. But if the foundations are strong, which they are, Lord, I pray that they just, like cement that is wet, be cured. Solidify the word of God in this house. Give people the wisdom to make the word their foundation. Lord, we don't surrender to my truth. We surrender to the truth, the way, the life, Jesus Christ. And everybody in this house said, amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap. God bless you, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you.